0: Hello, this is Gray McKenzie. And before we get started with today's interview, I want to quickly thank our sponsor for this episode, Text Expander. You know I'm all about standardizing processes and working efficiently. Well, Text Expander helps agency teams do both. From an efficiency perspective, Text Expander saves me personally a couple of hours worth of typing each month. And when you magnify that across our growing team, the time saving adds up. And this is the cool part that I didn't anticipate when I first started using text expansion tools seven or eight years ago. Text Expander keeps our messaging consistently on point with the right spelling, language, and formatting. So, we've been able to eliminate a ton of simple mistakes and copy paste mix ups by rolling out Text Expander across the team. I've actually got a video that'll be up on our YouTube shortly with a bunch of my favorite use cases. But for now, I want you to head to TextExpander.com slash podcast and you get to lock in a 20% year one discount for all agency journey listeners. Again, thanks to Texas Expander both for their sponsorship and the impact they've had on our team. Now let's get to today's interview. All right. Welcome back to Agency Journey. This is your host, Gray McKenzie. This week I've got the privilege of bringing on Mandy Ellefson, who is, believe it or not, the CEO of Hands Off CEO. But Mandy has promised to be hands on in this <laughs> interview today. Mandy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Gray.
0: Um, I'm excited to chat. You and I got connected here not not super long ago and just kind of comparing notes in terms of uh, how we approach the agency space. Um, there's just a ton of overlap between our agency freedom manifesto that uh, Andrew, my business partner, and I wrote uh, back in the day, a couple years ago, and the way that you're approaching things. So I'm super excited for this conversation to walk through what y'all are up to. But for anybody who hasn't come across Hands Off CEO yet can you give kind of a, the quick overview of what that business model looks like and how it functions? Sure.
1: So, hands off CEO, we work with consulting agency CEOs and their operations managers to be able to get really scale a multi million dollar agency that can run without the CEO and um, to, to really generate profitable growth that um, gives the ceo freedom that gives them the ability to even exit one day if they want and gives their team a lot of opportunities for leadership and just generally creates a business that changes the world
0: yeah you do that primarily and i don't know if we can go as deeper as kind of as a uh, high level into this as you want but primarily through a year-long program as the first Ye- step
1: yes um our main flagship program is called scale to freedom we work with our clients for a, for um, a year, like to start, but really we most of our clients stay for multiple years because we're we keep bringing them to the next level, and you know every new level brings in a whole new set of challenges, and they're good quality challenges. But um, it there's just there's just so much opportunity when you um, scale the right way, when you take the right steps in the right order. So yeah, that that's how we we. I mean, in a nutshell, like to
0: answer your question. Right. Well, that that sequencing is what I wanted to dig into here to start is, um, you know, I think we both kind of align on some of the main problems that agencies need to overcome. And um, I'm curious about some of the order that we go through that. Obviously, you know, back to our days, building an agency, it's like, you know, figure out what an offer is, go sell it once, figure out how to deliver it, go sell it multiple times, go figure out how to deliver it at scale. Um, you know, was that even the right offer or not becomes a, a really important question um, that many agencies you know, just kind of accidentally wind up with whatever offer um, seemed to stick the most in the moment. And sometimes it's very intentional, sometimes it's not. So I think with how your program is structured, I think that would be a helpful way Um to help guide some of the conversation here. But as you see it, kind of what are those big obstacles in an agency's journey that they need to get over and what's the right sequence to attack those? Right.
1: So what we find is, is that agencies, the agency owners are often, you know, they're oftentimes experts in um, the marketing space, sales space, operations, finance. There's all sorts of different areas that they could be an expert in. And, Generally, the challenge isn't that they don't know what to do. The challenge is, is how do I actually do it? And in what order. And the order we find is very important because um, that's the difference between whether you can actually execute on what you know you need to do um, versus whether you just stay stuck. And um what what I mean by stuck is that it's not necessarily a it's not like that the business is like um like Disintegrating or anything. What stuck looks like is generating more growth. And the more growth you generate, the, the more the CEO is tied into the business. So it really gets into a point where the CEO can kind of become a victim of their own success. I don't know if you've seen that, Gray. For sure. So yeah,
0: Yeah, there have been there have been phases of our business where I felt that as well. Yeah. I've just seen it. So. We
1: definitely have too, right? So it's just looking at like, well, what is the right step at this right time? So to ask you, you know, you asked me, so like, what is the journey that we take our 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 clients through for this this for this first year? And it it really depends because it depends on what the biggest challenge and struggle is. Because one um all the clients we work with, they're gonna be dealing with two primary challenges. And um there's gonna be one that's rearing its ugly head a little bit more. So it's either um, we are totally at capacity and we need even we need to open up more capacity to be able to bring on more 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 sales and more growth. Um, and in fact, we might not even be able to think about growth right now because we are so completely um, buckled down. That's on one extreme. And then the other side is it's like, well, you know, we're having some some challenges with with capacity. We're, we're really busy, but we need more of the right sales. And oftentimes it's like we need more of the right sales. To generate the cash, then, and we need more of the right cash to hire the right people to be able to actually fulfill the work. So it's kind of like this catch-22, chicken before the egg problem, where you need more cash to hire the right people, and um, but you need more clients to be able to do that. So it's 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 really challenging. And the way that a lot of CEOs solve this is by just working more, right? To be to be able to keep that if sustainable. But the challenge is that 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 will get you farther, but it doesn't, it just kicks the can down the line and it doesn't actually solve the problem and in fact traps the company the the CEO more. So we take a look at what that biggest challenge is and which one which one needs to be solved first.
0: What you just said seems to me like that should be the flagship insight to go to market with in your business. Um, you absolutely can keep increasing how many hours you work to overcome the, a lot of the shortcomings. Hey, we don't have the cash because of you know, like there's there's all these problems, and the reward for that is. More problem, bigger problems, like they, they just keep coming. It's it's a cycle that doesn't doesn't end by itself. So that makes a ton of sense. Where so if if we've got the agency who's struggling, we don't have the right fit clients right now, or you know there's not enough of yeah. those sales coming in. What's the starting point to solve yeah. that problem?
1: I think one first first the thing is is like I, I think a lot of agencies don't realize that they have the wrong kind of clients in, or maybe they under they they see okay we have some of these top clients that are amazing to work with. Um, and if they sit down and think about it for a while, they might be like, that'd be nice to have more of those type of clients. But um, a lot of the challenges that we see in, like, the ability to deliver and operational challenges are actually sales problems. <laughs> and this is something that if you go in and you focus on all these, like, popular scaling models, which, um, like, have their place, but they have some things that are missing for consulting agencies and, um and the thing is, is that more systems isn't going to fix the problem if the root problem is, is that you have the wrong type of clients, and that you're not charging enough, and the uh, and there's not a big enough outcome to really um, focus your 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 team on operationalizing. So, um, and and if you don't have a big enough outcome, then what will happen is, is that sure you might be able to systematize your business. But then you become this cookie cutter shop that can't really deliver results. And then what happens is, is that instead of having your pricing increase, which is what we'd like to see to be able to have more profitable, more profitable growth, you actually experience prof- uh, pricing erosion, which is really devastating in this economy, right? Because um, with inflation right now, what we're what what you make this year versus what you made last year for your revenue it's not the same we have had our our dollar is or has been eroding and more than more than it's reported <laughs> so um, we're all seeing we're all seeing the, the pressures of that on top of that you know the pressure of rising um rising, uh, uh, rising prices with our hiring with with our staffing and um that there's so much competition for good good quality teams. So I'm kind of going off on a different I started off a little tangent here, but yeah. it, but it, but it's con- there all these things are connected. And um, to be able to to solve challenges around capacity, we have to actually see how they're all connected.
0: Right. There's the you know the golden ticket is like the offer that you feel confident in and believe in and that you like internally. And that resonates with the marketplace and that you've got the capacity to deliver on and and, um, and do consistently and profitably. For the agencies where the offer is not right right now or that the, they don't have the right fit clients, how do you move past that or what's the process that you mm-hmm. take people through to figure out how do we get that offer right so that we're getting the right fit clients yeah. in the door?
1: So first of all, we're making an assumption. I'm going to be making an assumption with this answer that uh, the agency owners we're talking about have good results. They've gotten great. um, They have great case studies from clients. If you don't have that yet, that's what you need to focus on and do whatever it takes, including working for free to get those client case studies. I'm not necessarily saying working for free, but I'm just saying do whatever it takes. And I'll tell you, like, in 14 years that I've been in business with this business and before, I have worked for free to be able to generate case studies and, um, that's how we got started. Right. So, um, so, so then, so looking at your case studies, looking at, you know, what, under what conditions can we deliver our best work? So, um, we're, we're looking at, you know, um, is it B2B? Is it B2C? Is a larger ticket? Is a smaller ticket? Are we doing more volume? Um, is there a particular channel we're really good at? And within that channel, are there specific businesses that do better in this channel? Um, and uh, what type of clients have we really enjoyed doing work with? And this can this this can be one of that that factor of like, like you know, it may, maybe you have have done exceptional work in nonprofit space, right? Now, can you um, can you be able to to um, deliver consistent results in that industry? And um, consistent results, not like not we're not talking clicks and compressions impressions. I'm talking like, can you actually? help them generate, you know, $5 million of extra um, donations. Like, that's just, just an example, right? Um, and then if, if that's the target, if that's the market you, you've you had a lot of good results for, but maybe you can't, and you're like, well, you know, what is an adjacent market that has some similarities to that that we could target and be able to deliver even better results for? So those are the things that we're looking at, and it's not an easy answer. And this is something that I spent a good 10 years developing this system around because when I had— a, a branding and web design agency, I had tried to niche down. I had tried to do all those things that I would, that, um, that you hear the gurus tell you need to do, but I just couldn't figure out how to actually do that. And um, so I've, I've spent about a decade plus figuring out the, the fine-tuning this process. And this used to take, um, it, and, and the process from the perspective of what is it going to take for us to double our pricing? What will it take to be able to double our pricing? And also have um, the length of engagement like a year plus. That's what I started <clears throat> and look, looked at. And it used to take us about six months to implement this with our clients. And now we can do it in three to four weeks. So um, it, it, so it, it's, it's not... Um, there's a lot of variables that go into it, and it's not an easy thing to do. Um, I, I know this because we've taken you know, well over a hundred agencies through this process. I mean, I've lost count, but, um, what we've, I can give you some examples if you'd like, if that would be helpful, Gray.
0: Yeah, that might be a a helpful way for people to kind of wrap their heads around. Hey, what does right fit offer look like?
1: So here I'll give you an an example of Mark Arnold and he has a marketing agency that, um, is focusing in the banking industry. So he already has a niche, which is great. Right. Um, not not all of our clients we've worked with actually have a niche. A lot of times they're they're working with a lot of different types of businesses, but have done excellent work. They're just looking at where to focus. So Mark had already um, had good results within the banking space, was already an, an industry expert in that space. Um, but what was happening is, is they would be selling these um, smaller packages. Everybody loves this idea of these, like, just sell a smaller package, right? And then just get at your foot in the door. And like, yes, on one hand, that um that makes sense kind of but it really makes sense if like let's just face it i'm just gonna say it this is a little bit controversial but if you suck at sales and you have to, to do smaller smaller packages to be able to get your foot in the door why not instead just make a bigger offer make a really bold offer and um get better at selling that's that's what i would say um but the thing is, is that oftentimes you, you don't even have to be that good at selling if your offer is really good. So what we did with Mark is we looked at how could we make this offer even sexier? So we looked at what is this pathway? What is this journey? Can you take banks on and, and small small banks and credit unions? And um, what is this bigger outcome that you could promise for them? So we went through lots of resistance. I don't know if I can do that, you know, and just going back and forth. And then we really got to this point where this this um, outcome that like was a stretch, but he could feel confident, yes, we can deliver this. So instead of selling these 10,000, 20,000, $30,000 packages that he would be very involved in because he had to upsell to the next stage and to the next stage and the next stage. So he would sell these little packages individually. And um, instead we went deeper, but wider. And what I mean by that is we went deeper into a specific um Kind of client within that space that he could they could deliver the very best results for. And we've made a bigger package. So now they're selling hundred to a to a hundred to a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar packages. And what's really cool about this is that one of the biggest challenges to scaling for Mark is that he was so involved in the delivery. Now, increasing their pricing and selling for a longer-term package has actually made it easier for him to step back which is a little bit of a paradox, isn't it?
0: So what? what's the rationale the behind that? The rationale
1: behind that is that when he was selling these smaller packages, he would have to be very involved in it to keep the client happy so that they could then go and sell the next thing and then the next right. thing and the next thing. That was one of the things. Now, if you're putting together a whole growth program and you're anticipating what... The client wants, and being proactive—like it's really about being proactive and seeing ahead. What could we actually create for this business? And when you're doing that, then you can put that plan in place, and then you can have your team execute it. And then it's more about then when then if the client says, "Well, I want to I want to talk with you, Mark." It's just like, well, you know, what? our specialist is is focusing on this. This is our plan. Do you want this outcome? It's really more about getting the outcome than it is about talking to the CEO, which is like that safety blanket, if there's not an outcome.
0: Right. This is a little bit of a false dichotomy question, but do you feel like your expertise, Mandy, is more in and kind of this framework that you've developed is more around repackaging what an agency is already good at or about actually fundamentally tweaking what they're delivering or you know, changing up what they're actually delivering to clients? It's both.
1: It's both. So really what it is, is it's looking at and how could we expand the work that we're doing to really create world-class results. So the way that most agencies scale is they scale based on like, how can we simplify our deliverables? And that doesn't necessarily scale quality, though. So we want to be looking at, it, it oftentimes results in cookie cutter services, like I was mentioning before. So what we want to do is raise the bar and say, who can we deliver the very best world-class results for? Now, how can we expand that and make it even bigger? So this is an uncomfortable process, <laughs> and um, but but I mean, but are, but um, you know, are you willing to go through an uncomfortable process for three to four weeks to be able to have uh, an offer that you basically can create a wait list for, right? Like a lot of our clients will create wait lists. So, and this is just a small piece of the work that we do, even just, just to like have the right offer that is easier to sell. So you can have a salesperson helping you. That is easier to deliver because if you have a really standardized package, then um, you still ha- it still need some customization. So I'm not saying like this is going to be um, just, you, you have to operationalize it in a way that you can add some customization that doesn't um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel each time, though. So this allows you to operationalize it. So it also increases your net profit, increases your gross profit because you can charge more. You know, in in Mark's example, he was charging 600 percent more. But um, on the low end, we're looking at doubling price points in in most of the agencies that we're working with.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Are you also tweaking? When you say bold, some things that come into my mind right away are we're adding in a guarantee, or we're adding in an element uh, where revenue is tied to perform to performance potentially, or hey, um, here's the target that we have, and we're going to adjust our scope each month to get there. Is that or are those things elements? of what that great offer looks like, or are you able to accomplish this without those? Um,
1: both. And it just depends on how how much uh, new business, the, the how busy they already are. So um, in Mark's case, yep. I, w- w- what happens a lot of times is they start out with the guarantee because it's, it's like that, it's that crutch that helps them get better at making the offers, right? And yep, this right. is how our business did it too. We had a 5X ROI, 100% happiness guarantee, We've been doing that for so long, though, and it's been working so long. We don't need it anymore. But I mean, why? Why would we stop? It's it's not really a huge risk for us, and um, it works. So we're not going to stop doing it. But a lot of our clients they'll just drop it after a while. They just don't even need to need it. So um, and in some industries, a guarantee is not. It's really a not a good idea because it just doesn't fit the culture of that. So. Um, and so, mm. and some of our our clients that are really busy already, and they they're not. The majority of 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 um, agencies that come to us are actually, they they really have a lot of capacity issues. So we're talking a lot about these offers here, and like for 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 an agency owner who's right. thinking, oh my gosh, like I did not even thinking about the offers and the sales right now. I can't even think about that right now. I'm like working 60, 80 yeah. hours a week right now. There's, there's, I can't even think about that. So, I mean, we could talk about what to do in that circumstance first, if that would be useful for your audience. Sure.
0: Yeah. So from, uh, uh, just from the name hands-off CEO, like the first picture that I have when you say "Hey, we're running into capacity problems is that the first thing we're going to go do is hire a virtual assistant or an executive assistant or s- some type of assistant. Um, but I'm I'm sure that's not the. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not the. It
1: could be um,
0: <laughs> full picture. But, right. Walk through walk through how we solve those problems right. and what's the order of yeah. operations. The thing.
1: first thing is just to look at like what resources do you already have and um, you know our, our our biggest goal is to actually free up the CEO immediately to be able to sit so that they can get their head screwed on straight and they they can actually see they can actually see in front of them because what happens is is, is that. We start working, you know, over 40 hours per week, and then things get a little bit tighter and then you end up working 45 to 50 to 60. And before you know it, you're working 60, 70 hours per week. You didn't realize it, probably getting a similar output at those amount of hours if you were working below, but you're you're stuck in this cycle and you have to be able to break that cycle. So what that's so the very first thing that we walk our clients through is this find time now process. And what we do, we actually guarantee to find them 10 extra hours per week. So um Little over a day a week to focus on growth because if you can't see, you don't have the the, the uh, bandwidth to even think. Then there's there's no way you're going to be able to grow your company or even just get sanity. So um, we find a few tweaks that um, to, to free them up. And a lot of times it's not like yes, hiring can be is very powerful, but that doesn't that doesn't immediately help it. In fact. Hiring actually makes it worse. For sure. (laughs) Right? Because you have to do the training, onboarding, all of that. Right? So the first thing that we look at is, is like, well, what are some, I mean, without going through the whole like process, because it's kind of boring to be going through it right now, but, um, that piece, it's all about looking at what those, like those quick wins that will immediately free up that time. And that's going to be different for every business. And some of it comes from things you're eliminating. Some of the things, some of it comes from, um, reducing meeting time, for example, um, and delegating off to someone else. But one of the biggest things that we see is actually being able to let go um, and delegate ownership within the team that they already have. So that, that because a lot of times what happens is it's like they're holding on to things because they can't trust their team. So we look at what are those things that they, what needs to be in place for them to let go of that and safely know that it's going to be taken care of. So those are the things right there. And um, account management is a huge one. That's going to be at least 10 to 20 hours per week. So a lot of agencies, they'll be out of most of account management, but maybe there's just a little bit left or they're still in project management. So that's, that can be another piece. So sometimes a team member can take more of that over. Sometimes it's getting in um, a temporary resource. We have a lot of temporary resources we refer our clients to that immediately can free that up for them. Um Anyway, there, there's there's a lot more of those things, but it, but but every CEO is doing, it has at least ten extra hours to to if if they if they're at a certain place in the business. I mean, we're not talking about brand brand new companies, but um, at a certain right. place, if you have a team, there's all sorts of ways to be able to free up capacity for yourself, and oftentimes it just starts with really getting clear on what you're committed to, and aligning your actions with that.
0: Right, right. That makes a lot of sense um i think so once we uh, we talked a little bit about the offer we talked about kind of freeing up some of the capacity Mm -hmm. and getting through some of the squeeze that people are are facing there um i'm curious about kind of once we move past the offers there um On the sales front if we talk about putting that we're taking 10 hours and we're reallocating it back to growth what are and this is tied into something i mentioned i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that you're seeing as trends in agencies right now so maybe this is not necessarily trends but trends of the highest performing agencies where are you seeing the best bang for the buck in terms of reallocating those 10 hours back into growing the business
1: yeah where where to focus on um the biggest results so um, they're more direct, the channels, the better <laughs> so that, 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 um, and that's going to, this, this also is going to be, it, it depends, it depends and, um, it depends on what you already have working. So any yep. channels you already have that are working, it's going to be going and looking at how do we make this work better? Um, it's, it's yep. looking at, you know, your existing clients and saying, Hey, hey could we move them into this new growth program? That's, you know, it's, it's looking at past clients and say, hey, we've got this new thing come up. Can we can we share more about this? It's going through your reaching out to referral partners um, and clients and asking for referrals and inviting them into, you know, one of my favorite things is called this an executive briefing. And we we use uh, we, we do an executive briefing uh, regularly um, in our business for um, for agencies to learn you know what are the what are the five exits to be able to get to a hundred thousand dollars a month in profits and um they and um that's a really a great opportunity for people to make referrals to you to come to this educational event it's no pitch and it's just an opportunity for you to um attract the right prospects in and then they they come from a place of they come to a place where they're they can actually um, learn more about the challenge that they have and your ways of doing it. And, um, it, it, it's a really a great way to, um, to bring in the right type of prospects.
0: Yeah. in a very a hands-on way too, though. I mean, um, this, this is a
1: very in- interactive format where you can, um, you, you can, you can have a, a lot of impact and, and, um,
0: right. and,
1: but, but it's not a, um, it's not an intense, like salesy type of thing for a prospect
0: right? or a suspect, really. You They're not even prospects at that point a lot of times. True, true. What? Um, how frequently do you, you mentioned to me running these executive briefings. What's your frequency of running those on an annual basis right now?
1: So um, it's we have gone between doing a couple a month. Sometimes we do weekly, just depends on, on the amount of people that we have coming to them. Um, yeah one of the things that can be advantageous doing them more frequently will get you'll get better at them that's that's one thing you'll get better at them right, right? and um that can <laughs> that that can be a real that could be a real dedication factor right so um it depends on lead volume though I, i'll i'll just say that it depends yeah. and there's a lot of different formats for it we also do an annual planning event that is kind of similar to that but it's, it's like it's, um, several hours, um, instead of our executive briefing, we do, we run it for about 45 to 50 minutes. So it's, um, and then it leaves some time for question and answer, but, um, uh, did I answer your question, Gray?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's helpful. Um, I was trying to figure out in your experience, is that kind of like, uh, we're doing this once a month, once a quarter, once a week. So that's helpful that, um, maybe a couple of times a month, I think. It just yeah. depends.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I w- I, it it depends on how it depends on what stage you're at in your company too, and and how um, ready you are for new business. But um, if you don't have yeah. the lead flow, I think doing it monthly is a good idea. But um, and it's a life to right. fire under your butt to go generate some leads to get to get in there, right?
0: So that's right. <laughs> get some get some people in. That's awesome. <clears throat> well, I mentioned kind of trends in agencies. Um, first, you know, four months of this year as of the time that we're recording this year in early May 2022. What are the thing? you kind of hinted at uh, some of the challenges from inflation earlier, but what are you seeing kind of as trends, both positive or, or negative in the agency space here as we're, you know, open up the first quarter plus of, of 2022? Mm-hmm.
1: So we have, this has been something that we've been facing for a long time, but commoditization is a big challenge. Globalization and commoditization is a big challenge, and um, and looking at that meaning that you know if if you are just providing the hands work as an agency, you're going to very quickly find that there are lots of great companies in Eastern Europe, in. Um, the Philippines and India, you know, all over the world, that will are willing to do the hands work for a whole lot less. So, um, mm-hmm. what we're what we're seeing that the companies that are the agencies that are doing the best are the ones that are that have their own strategic approach that's proven, that has that that is based on results and based on case studies, and that um, is really focused more on an outcome. Um, which is going to be the brains work and the hands work too, by the way. And those are the companies that we're seeing that are that sell themselves into capacity all day long. And we have a lot of data to back this up too, because we know the the companies that are coming to us, we already we have we can they have a number of characteristics in common. The ones that are the busiest and that that are running into like you know, we have clients that are booked out for three months. Like we can't start them for three months.
0: Yep. I think that's a good, this is uh, David Baker has his idea of the two rooms. I like your kind of wording of um hands work and brains yeah. work. I bet that, that makes a lot of sense. I think the other Huge challenge that you face is just you know the macroeconomic situation going on. If all the if if it's really just hands on implementation, if there's not enough margin created or enough value created by the work that you're doing, it's really hard to keep up in an environment well, like like this. You're really getting squeezed. Exactly.
1: And here's the thing: is is that we're um, automation is far outpacing. It, it, it's so quickly. I it's, I I am blown away at some of the tools that I see that will create. In five minutes, what you can create with no skills and, and pass off to an assistant, something that I know that you could go and have an agency do for twenty hours plus, and um, we have to be looking at where are we adding value, and will tools, will cheaper labor be able to outpace what we're doing and replace it? And um,
0: right,
1: here's the thing though, is that what we are the best at in. I'm just going to say, you know, Canada, the U.S., U.K., Australia, and, you know, and, and um, more, more of our, our Western societies, um, what we're really good at is is the thinking work and is the, is the creativity and not creativity for creative sake. It's creativity to solving problems that actually will be able to generate the results that your clients want. And to really get them to that to to an elevated place, and that's the that's the kind of work that you can you can charge an infinite amount for, just depending on the kind of results that you can create, depending on the kind of value you can create.
0: Right. Um, Speaking of creatively solving problems, I always like to ask people like, "What's the next? What are the next problems you're solving for Hands Off CEO?" Or kind of, "What's the vision for the future of?" of what the company looks yeah, like.
1: Yeah. So hands-off CEO, we've been around for 10 years now. And for, um, a lot of the first years we were working just strictly with CEOs and, um, they were dealing with their team. We didn't touch it. And, um, in the past few years, we have been working more with their operations teams, just partly because it's just like, we just get tired of them not implementing fast enough. and finally we just say, get out of the way. We're just going to come in here and, and help you with that And that actually came from um, you know our, our program director started doing that and we were just look and we looked at this and we were like, do we want to start this whole other side of our program? This is going to add all, all sorts of complexity to our business to do this. But like we, we we tested it and we decided, yes, this is the right thing to do. This adds a ton of value. So we have what we call an, the operations Academy where we are training operations managers to actually run the business for the CEO. And um doing that as like a sidecar to our scale to freedom. So scale to freedom is really like two programs in one. It's one for the CEO to be able uh, to get the right offer in place, to get the right systems in place, to get the get the right mindset in place to scale. I mean like you really like they really take something to let go. It really does. Um, and then the operations managers, they they need to really learn the leadership for like how do they be able to take take over how do they be able to to um to be three steps ahead of the ceo how do they be able to anticipate those problems how do they be able to um to be able to innovate and create new systems as the company is growing and scaling so the ceo doesn't have to, have to constantly come in there and to do that like they they're leading that they're leading the team and when we're really building that the growth uh, that they, that um, we're, we're building a person in the company could, who can help grow the company. So that's something that is is exciting um, that that we have been continuing to develop and and um, developing programs that that ultimately teach them the skills to to really become a COO. Really, it's like the, those are the skills that they have to have to be mm-hmm. able, to be able to be a COO. But to be able to hire them at the right level where they're not afraid to roll up their sleeves whether or not um, they're going to actually get in there and do the work. Whereas if you hire the COO in your company too early, they're coming in, they want to manage, they're like, wait, wait, I I don't do that work, right? So so it can be the wrong person for the stage of the company. And um, I I see a lot of agencies make that mistake. So what we've done is just like help them, give them the development for the the person that they need at that level so that the company can grow a lot faster. So that's something that we've seen that, has made such a huge difference, and the companies that are that are adding millions of dollars a year—they're the ones who are getting that that are that are the most plugged into our operations academy with their team.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think we've. Um, and what we do implementing clickup for agencies and you've got a who's designing the system and building the system here's one set of training here's a separate set of training that everybody in the org is going to go through the farther along we go i think we've we're we've got a lot of similarities in terms of what we're seeing is Hey, inside that, everybody else, there's a lot of different buckets of here's someone who's an account manager. Like their needs are going to look a little bit different than this person's, but they don't need the whole picture. So there's got to be a track built specifically for them. And so a mm. lot of that track development makes sense. Um, similar to what you're building out, where hey, it was just the CEO. Now it's the next role. Yeah. So um, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I
1: love I love what you guys do. Well, been a I love it. It's, it. That makes such a big difference for agencies to be able to have that all built out really incredible work that you guys do.
0: Yeah, it's uh, all these all these pieces fit together. You, this is what you and I talked about was we're really focused on that, uh, what happens in client services and delivery and operations. Um, our best clients, and when we tell people you're not a fit, is often because they don't have the first thing, figure mm. out, they don't have the offer, they don't have the, the sales phone, to take advantage of it, so... Um, love what love what you guys are building. The um, the site is handsoffceo.com. Mandy, anywhere else we should point people, though?
1: Yeah, well, if you go to handsoffceo.com, you can download our ultimate roadmap to scaling your consulting agency. Um, as I, I was talking about that executive briefing earlier, if you want to come to our executive briefing, see what that's about. It's uh, five exits to be able to scale to $100,000 per month in profits and really how to, how to exit your company and sell it down the line if you ever want to. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so uh, handsoffceo.com forward slash briefing. You can go and, and sign up for one of our next briefings if you if you would like to attend.
0: That's awesome. Um, I just pulled that up right now. I don't think I've been on this page before. Uh, perfect. Well, I appreciate you sharing, yeah. uh, sharing that one as well. And appreciate your time coming on and being willing to just share. Thanks for thanks for joining us it's today, It's my Mandy.
1: pleasure. Thanks so much, Gray.